Suffering is the road that's less traveled. Pain and suffering. Pain is God's megaphone. Affliction is the gift that nobody wants. And uh, the path to truth, as Byron said, is the path of affliction. Interesting, isn't it? If you stop and think about it for a second, one of the things that is uh, fascinating to me when we discuss the whole subject of suffering is, is that, uh, as, as each one of these uh, gentlemen will attest, it is a road or a path that uh, none of us want to travel. It's a gift that none of us want to receive. And uh, what we're going to talk about in this session is how we can stand firm when suffering. And uh, I think it's quite appropriate. It is very practical in nature. And it's something that uh, we can learn a lot from. Because, see, many of us, as we found out the last couple of weeks, many of us worry about all the things that could happen to us. We worry about suffering. We worry about the potential to suffer. And in reality, 95% of the things that we worry about, we never experience. And so we dealt with that in the last couple of sessions. However, what about the 5% that does happen? How do you deal with that? There's no sense worrying about things that aren't going to happen. But what about the 5% that does happen? How do you deal with suffering when it actually occurs in your own life? And I think sometimes we suffer stress because of the pain and the suffering that unexpectedly breaks down the front doors of our lives. We're not ready for it. We never are. And yet it happens, and we need to deal with it. And uh, what we're going to try to do is understand how to stand firm in the midst of it. And uh, to most people, I think that uh, we would consider pain an enemy. I don't know too many people who look at pain and adversity or affliction in their lives as being something that's a gift from God. That's a very positive thing. I've never talked to... Well, I can't remember ever talking to anyone that has told me, boy, they're just glad for the suffering, and they thank God for the suffering that they're going through. It's very rare that that happens, and yet... I think there's a lot of things that we can learn, as we'll, we'll see, from suffering. That it is God's megaphone. That it is a gift that nobody wants. And uh, as we go through it, we'll see that uh, the Bible has a lot to say about suffering. And uh, before we do that, we're going to take a look at four facts, as, as they were, as far as what the Bible has to say about suffering. But I think what we need to do is we need to examine, just for a couple of minutes, um, why we suffer. Why do we suffer? Why do you suffer? Why do I suffer? Why do people around you suffer? Um, you, you need, we need to lay a foundation to build upon it because there, from what I've seen going through it, there's, there's several reasons. And I want to see if maybe you can identify them as well. Uh, why do people suffer? Yeah, very, very simple. It's consequences of your actions. And uh, what I would put that under the category of disobedience. We suffer because we're disobedient. Uh, God has certain standards. He has certain laws. He has certain uh, uh, commandments. And if we violate, the, violate those commandments, there are consequences that go along with it. And so many people suffer because, they're, frankly, they're, just, they're living a life that God would say would be disobedient. And not just the standards that God has laid out, but the standards that man has laid out as well. We have laws in our society. We have authority in our society. And if we violate those laws, then we're going to suffer the consequences. 
And I think some of the prominent examples are very, very obvious to most of us. Magic Johnson is suffering the consequences of violating the laws of God as they pertain to sexual activity. God says all sex outside of marriage is wrong. That's as simple as it gets. And yet, for some reason, we want to ignore that reality and, uh, and, and make that a secondary issue. But it's not a secondary issue, it's the primary issue. And if he wasn't in rebellion or disobedience, whether he, he knowingly was violating the, the standard of God, see, that's not the issue. Because ignorance of the law is, not a defense, is never a defense. And so whether he knew that God said, hey, look, magic, all sex outside of marriage is wrong, that's not the issue. The fact that he was doing what God said was wrong, that led to the consequences that he now experienced. Disobedience, rebellion against the standard of God leads to consequences. We see it in the case of Mike Tyson. Not only does he violate a standard of God, but in this particular case, society also agrees with God's standard, and that is that rape is, a, is not only a sin, but is a crime. And when you violate God's laws and you violate man's laws, then the nice thing about it is that man is in a position to validate or at least to affirm that God's standards are what he says they are. See, wouldn't it be interesting if we lived in a society that would affirm that, hey, all sex outside of marriage is wrong, and man's laws would affirm God's laws, which is what it should be doing anyway. So here's Mike Tyson. He suffers the consequences of violating the standards of God and of man, and he pays the price. How many other people do we know that suffer consequences? Yes. Okay. Okay, good point. However, we haven't got to that one yet. <laughs> but, but maybe we'll jump to that in a second. But the, that's true. There are times that we suffer for what seems like no fault of our own. And we'll talk about that in a second. Getting back to disobedience. And I want to make sure that I, I drill this one home because this is the only one that we have control over. You follow what I'm saying? We suffer in this area. It is the one area that is not God's will for us to suffer in. It is never God's will for you and I to be disobedient to His standards. And as a result, it is not His desired will for His people to suffer consequences of sin. However, it is His determined will that God's people will suffer consequences for sin because God is just. God is not mocked. Whatever a man sows, he reaps. And as a result, not only is God a God of love, but he is a God of justice as well. And he cannot lie, for God cannot lie. So if he says, if you do this, this is what's going to happen, you can bank on it, it's going to happen. And the reason I want to make that a point is that many of us suffer needlessly in our lives. It is not God's desire for you to suffer in that area. However, he has determined that you will if you violate his particular command. And I think of people, for example, I think of people who um, are, I, I worked with a guy several years ago, many of you have heard the story, who was a cocaine addict. I saw him lose everything that he owned because of cocaine addiction. Self-inflicted wound. Suffered needlessly. His family, who were innocent bystanders, suffered needlessly. His employees suffered needlessly. His creditors 
end up ultimately suffering the most needlessly. I think of a guy that I know who got fired from his job because he was, he was constantly late. Turned out that he had a drinking problem. He was sick, he didn't show up, he was late, he didn't do his job, and they had to let him go. Self-inflicted wound. He suffered needlessly, and all of his family suffered with him, and everybody else suffered with him. And I think of people who are going through divorce. God still hates divorce, even in our society today, where it seems to be so accepted. God hates it. And I see people suffering needlessly in that area. I see him suffer, suffering financially. I see him suffering emotionally. And yet sometimes there, there's, you know, even in the case where God says divorce is okay, or it's at least permissible, and he hates it, but in the area of sexual, uh, uh, in the area of, uh, sexual immorality, in the area of adultery, God hates adultery. And we see people suffer needlessly in relationships because of it. Why? Because it's all disobedience. It just simply goes back to that. We have choice. We have freedom of choice. We have the freedom to choose to be here. We have the freedom to choose to study what God says is right or wrong. We have the freedom to do all of that. And as a result, we also have the freedom to make choices. But this let me tell you something. There are benefits to right choices, and there are consequences to wrong choices. And how, and how simple-minded our society has become when we stop and we, we roll the dice and say, well, you know what, I think the pleasure is going to outweigh the consequences, and so I'm going to violate God's standards. And when we do it as Christians, we've got to ask ourselves a very serious question, and that is that how much do we really love the one who we say we love? That we can flippantly decide to violate God's standards as if somehow or another the chief, end of all of, of, the chief end of man is to glorify God in all that we do. And when you can't make a decision that filters down through glorifying God, then you've got a problem. How can you say, I, I can still do this and still please God? It's impossible. It's a contradiction. So God wants us to be obedient to his commandments. If you love me, Jesus said, you'll obey my commandments. Now, what about a second area? We suffer needlessly for disobedience, and the wonderful thing about that is we have control over that. We have control over that, which is great. But also, we suffer for what other reason? We live in a sinful world. Because we live in a fallen world. We live in a world, for example, a victim of crime suffers because of the disobedience of the one who perpetrates the act. Correct? This poor gal suffering because of somebody else's willful disobedience and violating not only her rights, but also the laws of society. She suffers. Her family suffers. People around her suffer. They hurt with her. That's, that's life. We live in a world that is victim of sin. And so sometimes that's what happens. We have, there are victims. And that goes into that third category. Uh, the category uh, of, um, well, you know what? Well, what about a person who gets sick? What about a person who's having physical problems? We all know people like that. And you go through it. What about the, the accidents, illnesses, the victims of crime, the victims of others' disobedience? We all suffer because of that. What about natural disasters? Floods and fire and rain and tornadoes and hurricanes and earthquakes. We suffer because of that as well. So we look at two areas. There's one for we suffer for disobedience. There's another that I, I just call the overflow category. 
that everything we're talking about fits into. But there's one more area that we should suffer for. Okay, develop our patience to strengthen us spiritually. Um, you know, th- th- this, is, this, is, this is fascinating to me that we don't even recognize this. Many of us suffer for disobedience. Many of us suffer the, the consequences of living in a fallen world. But you know what's amazing to me? Why isn't the first thing that we thought of that we should suffer for obedience? God could get our attention. But the thing that's confusing to me is how many of us recognize that God's determined will is that we suffer for being obedient. Why don't we think of that? I'll tell you why we don't. (laughs) Because not many of us are suffering for being obedient. That's why. Not many of us are standing up in our society and suffering the consequences of being a light in the darkness, so to speak. Not many of us are standing firm on our integrity and our businesses and saying that's wrong, we can't do that, and as a result, maybe lose our jobs. Not many of us are doing that. Not many of us are losing relationships because we're saying, hey, that's not right, and if we're going to continue to do that, I can't see you anymore. Not many of us are suffering loss because we're obedient, are we? That's interesting. And yet it's very clear in the Bible that we should be suffering not only because of the overflow category, but we should suffer for being obedient. And the Bible is filled with it. Literally filled with it. We see Joseph in prison suffering for obedience. I cannot sin against God. And they threw him in prison. We see Daniel in the lion's den. I cannot sin against God. And they threw him in prison. We see all the apostles. We see Peter. We see Paul. We see John exiled. We see him persecuted. We see him beaten. We see the prophets who were beaten and and tortured and martyred for telling the truth. We see Hebrews chapter 11 filled with people who suffered for being obedient. And we need to recognize this truth because we live in a society today that somehow along the line we have been convinced through the heresy of false teachers that say God's people should never suffer. And if you're suffering, there must be something wrong spiritually in your life. And I'm here to tell you, that's not what the Bible teaches. And so what we're going to do is, I want want to just share some things with you. And uh, the first thing is very simple. And that is this. We need to realize that suffering is inevitable. Suffering is inevitable. We live in a society that wants to avoid suffering at all costs. And I believe that's why God's people aren't heard as we should be. We go with the flow. We don't stand firm. We just go with the flow. We just kind of push to and fro with the tide, you know, just like the rains that we've had, you know, and you see the swollen rivers and things floating down it. That's us. We just kind of go along with it. And what the Bible teaches is that suffering is inevitable. There's no getting around it. Your parents suffered. Your grandparents suffered. You're going to suffer. Your kids are going to suffer. We're all going to suffer. And the reason is very simple. Philippians 1.29, For it has been granted to you on behalf of Christ not only to believe on Him, but also to suffer for Him. You notice that? It is God's determined will that His people, number one, believe on Jesus Christ, And number two, to suffer for him. 
And like I said, we've got people out there trying to say, hey, if you're suffering, must be something wrong. Must be sin in your life. And as a result, if you deal correctly with the sin, then the suffering will go away. And we've got a bunch of people confused that they shouldn't be suffering, and the Bible says exactly the opposite. That we should be suffering. Now the question is, let's put it back into the categories again, because here's where we get all screwed up. The first category of suffering comes from our own disobedience. It is not God's will. It is not God's desire. It, it is not what He wants to see happen in your life. In fact, that's why He gives you the rule book. He says, hey man, you want to stop suffering in that area of your life? Then do the right thing. See, my kids are, are smarter than some of us. Because here's what you learn. Even as we grow up, we learn this. If I do this, I'm going to get whooped on. And getting whooped on hurts. It ain't that much fun. If I stop doing that, I won't get whooped on. Duh. What am I going to do? I'll try it one more time. Whoop, got whooped on again. Well, man, I don't know. I think I'm going to stop doing that. It's that simple. But as adults, we grow up, we're too cool. But I realize we're getting whooped on. It's like, well, everybody else is doing it. And everybody else is getting whooped on. It's like, man, stop and think for a second. If my brother and sisters got whooped on, and I watched them get whooped on, and I say, I'm not going to do what they do because they get whooped on when they do that. Now, who's smarter? The person that keeps getting whooped on or the one standing alongside, watching them get whooped on, saying, I don't think I'm going to do that. See, that category, God says, hey, you know what? The guy who lost his business to cocaine, guess what? All he had to do was stop using the stuff. All he had to do was admit he had a problem. All he had to do was get checked into a rehab center. All he had to do was deal with the problem. And guess what? He would have lost his business. The person that's out screwing around in their marriage, all they got to do is stop doing it and they won't lose their marriage. The person's out hitting the bottle, all they got to do is get help to stop hitting the bottle and they may not lose their job. And then I have to lay in bed worrying and wondering when it's going to catch up with them and all the fear that goes along with that. And God wants to get rid of all of that. Jesus said he came to give us abundant life, to enjoy life. How much more enjoyable would your life be if you stopped doing stupid things and you stopped getting whooped on? See, suffering's inevitable, but some of it is avoidable. And I just wonder, it's like, gee, I mean, we get dumber the older that we get or what? And you go through it. And what God is saying is this. This is God's will. Number one, that you accept Jesus Christ. And number two, that you suffer for him by doing what's right. It's inevitable. And that may, you know, and, and the amazing thing is we actually have control over that suffering. Number two, oh, and, and also, and just in case, look at this, 2 Corinthians 4, 7 through 10. It says this. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. We are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not abandoned. Struck down, but we're not destroyed. We always carry around in our body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. On verse 16, he says, Therefore, do not lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away, Yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. Very simple. 
The Apostle Paul recognized we live in a world that just is going to hammer on us. Just hammers on us. But remember last week I said, you know, do a series on the big butts of the Bible. Here's another good passage. It says this, we're hard pressed on every side, but we're not crushed. We're perplexed. Man, why are we going through this? Why am I suffering this way? I'm confused. I don't know what's going on. God, what are you doing in my life? I don't understand it. And he's saying, okay, well, let's take inventory. Are you doing some things that are wrong? Then stop doing them. Confess, agree with me they're wrong, and turn from it and stop doing it. And, it'll go, and that will go away. So if you can't understand why you're suffering, then you need to examine some other reasons. Is it just because of the world that we live in? Is it just because of the fact that you're obedient? You know, we're perplexed, but we're not in despair because we know God's at work in our lives. It says we're persecuted, but we're not abandoned because we know that God is there. We're struck down, but we're not destroyed. And so as he goes through this, we're being, we're being given power daily by the, the God who indwells each of us through the bath of Christ in our life. The Bible says that, you know, we've been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives within me. And the life I now live in this body, I live by my faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. And he's saying that the power of God indwells those who have asked Christ into their life, and he gives us strength to deal with persecution. We're perplexed sometimes, but we're not in despair. And we know we're not abandoned. And so as we go through this, we begin to realize that, hey, you know what? Suffering's inevitable. Dear friends, don't be surprised at the painful trial you are suffering, as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice that you participate in the sufferings of Christ, so that you may be overjoyed when his glory is revealed. If you suffer, notice this, if you suffer, it should not be as a murderer or a thief or any other kind of criminal or even as a meddler. However, if you suffer as a Christian, do not be ashamed, but praise God that you bear his name. There are some things you just can't get away from in the Bible. And that is very simple. God says, hey, don't suffer for doing wrong, but it's okay to suffer for doing what's right. And not only is it okay, but it's God's will for us to do so. And then he says, praise God when you are. Wouldn't it be wonderful to live in a society that if a person stood up for what's right in their business and they lost their job, instead of walking away feeling sorry for themselves, they praised God that they had an opportunity to be a testimony in the workplace. An opportunity to say, that's wrong. An opportunity to make a stand. An opportunity to be a target for a world that hates God and is rebellion against God. Wouldn't it be wonderful if God's people recognized that it was a privilege to suffer for God for doing what's right instead of wondering if what we're doing is wrong and that's why we're suffering? Wouldn't it be wonderful to hear guys who are preaching the word of God that are saying, hey, listen, you know what? More of us need to be suffering for doing what's right and not trying to come up with some way to analyze whether or not what we're doing is wrong and we better stop doing that because God doesn't want his people to suffer. That's foolishness. And it's not true. And so as we go through it, suffering is inevitable. But the Bible also teaches something else. And that is that pain and suffering is essential. Pain and suffering is essential. See, you know what? It's almost like a coin. It's kind of like heads, it's inevitable. Tails, it's essential. And in Psalm 119, we read this. Before I was afflicted, before I suffered, I went astray. You know what? Now I obey your word. But now I obey your word. He goes on and he says, It was good for me not to be afflicted. It was good for me to be afflicted so that I might learn your decrees. What is he saying? Suffering is good. 
pain is good. It is a, a, it's God's megaphone. It's saying to you, if you're suffering in your life, then let me ask you a question. Is what you're doing wrong before God? Then stop doing it. See, if we didn't suffer the consequences and we felt no pain, we would continue to do the same thing, never knowing that what we're doing was wrong. We've got a God who loves us so much that he causes us to feel pain and suffer when we're doing what's wrong before him. Because what it does is it gives us the ability to recognize what we're doing is wrong and take corrective measures to do what's right. Wouldn't it be sad if you as a parent would never discipline your children and inflict pain and suffering on them when they're living a life of rebellion and disobedience? That they would go through their whole life doing anything that they wanted to do whenever they wanted to do it, doing things that aren't right before God or man and never have us step in and inflict any type of suffering on them to make them realize that what they were doing was wrong? They would grow up in an environment all of their lives that they began to believe that everything they did was okay. Until they got away from us and out into the real world and the rest of the world said, you're not going to do this stuff anymore and we're going to inflict pain and suffering on you. Isn't that, I mean, and you stop and think about it. We don't look as pain or suffering as a friend, but the reality of it is that's a wonderful gift from God that says, Chuck, stop doing what you're doing. And guess what? It won't hurt anymore. Kind of like that old joke, you know, a guy banging his head off the wall. You know, he keeps banging his head off the wall, and finally, you know, it's like, you know, why do you do that? Well, because when I stop, it feels so good. And a lot of us are like that. We're banging our head off the wall, and then we stop every now and then, realize how good it feels, and then forget how bad banging our head off the wall feels, and we go back to banging our head off the wall. See, we need to recognize that pain is essential to give us the ability to make corrective measure. May I tell you, you know how you know it? You're hurting in your marriage? <clears throat> tell you right now, that pain, that suffering is God's way of saying, hey, you know what? You need to take some corrective measures. You need to sit down and figure out what's going on. You need to find out what's wrong. You need to get together and deal with this thing because it shouldn't be a place of pain and misery. The family should be a place of encouragement and strength and love and compassion from a world that just is driving us crazy and it's just banging us and beating us to death. You got a problem, you need to deal with it. And God says, hey, you know what? I'm going to inflict some pain and suffering there so that you know that something's not right. You need to deal with it. It's essential. He goes on in, in uh, verse 75 and he says this, I know, O Lord, that you are righteous and, your faithfulness, and in your faithfulness you have afflicted me. You know what we learn from suffering? That God is faithful. That God loves us. That God cares about us. And he cares enough not to allow us to continue to be in rebellion against him. That's what I learned from suffering. That's what I learned that, that why it's essential that God brings suffering into our life. And he goes on in, in uh, Ecclesiastes 7, the, the, the wisest man outside of Jesus Christ that ever walked the face of the earth according to the Bible says this. He says, consider what God has done. Who can straighten what he has made crooked? When times are good, be happy. But when times are bad, consider. God has made the one as well as the other. Therefore, a man cannot discover anything about his future. He's saying consider. The word means to inspect, to investigate. The book of Hebrews says consider Jesus. Check him out. Inspect, investigate for the purpose of making a decision. He's saying, you know what? You're suffering. Consider it. Investigate it. 
Find out if it's something that you're doing wrong, then stop doing it. Find out if it's a result of obedience before God and praise God. Find out if it's just a result of living in a fallen world and being a victim of the world that we live in and understand that God is available to strengthen us during those times. And all of it will help us to get through it. And that's what he's saying. He said, consider it. Take a good hard look at it. You know what he says? God made the good times and God's made the bad times. And even if the bad times are self-inflicted, God has allowed them to get our attention. And as we go through it, and, and here's a, I like this quote, A.W. Tozer said this, it is doubtful whether God can bless a man greatly until he has hurt him deeply. And there's some truth to that. I talked to a man not too long ago, he was flat out on his back in, at home. He's a very strong-willed person. He was a very stubborn person. And God was breaking this man. As he laid in his bed, he had tears in his eyes. And he said, you know what? This is the first time that God has got my undivided attention. First time. See, God is opposed. He's set against the proud. He's opposed to the proud. But he gives grace to the humble. God will break you. And you know what's wonderful about it? When he does, then he can use you. One more example, and I'll kind of put it all together. In uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, we see a biblical example of what it meant to suffer. And uh, the Apostle Paul wrote this. He said, that, uh, he said, So when we could stand it no longer, we thought it best to be left by ourselves in Athens. We sent Timothy, who was our brother and God's fellow worker, in spreading the gospel of Christ. And we sent him to you because they were afflicted, they were suffering. And he said, We sent them... Send him to strengthen and encourage you in your faith so that no one would be unsettled by these trials. You know quite well that we are destined for them. It's God's determined will that we suffer. He said, you know that. In fact, when we were with you, we kept telling you that you would be persecuted. We kept telling you that you would suffer. We said, hey, don't you remember they killed our Lord? They'll certainly mistreat us as well. And he went on, and he says, it, uh, and it turned out that way, as you well know. For this reason, when I could stand it no longer, I sent to find out about your faith. I was afraid that in some way the tempter, that Satan would come along, and he had tempted you, and our efforts might have been useless. That he would come into your life and say, listen, you know what? See, your God doesn't love you anymore. Your God, I mean, what's this God? This God that promised you, you know, when, when you accepted Christ, that life would be great. This God that said you were going to double your income. Hey, this God that said that you'd have a new house and you'd have a Mercedes in your car, in your garage, and you'd have everything would be great and life would be rosy. And, and the enemy comes along and he tries to snatch the joy out of suffering from our life by acting like we shouldn't be suffering. And Paul said, you know what, I sent Timothy to you because I wanted him to strengthen you. And the word means literally to stick rebar down a person's back and just pound it into the ground so that when they're getting blasted by the, the forces around them, they just stand firm and they stand stiff like a, like a steer in a blizzard. And they just stand strong and they stand firm when they're suffering, knowing it's God's will for them to suffer in areas of obedience. And he said, I sent them to encourage you, to strengthen you, you know, in the armed services, they tell you to dig a hole big enough for two people. And the reason is very simple. It's a lot easier to fight when you've got somebody to encourage you in your life. And so what he's saying is, I sent him, I sent him to strengthen and encourage you. And the purpose is so that no one would be unsettled by these trials. So that your faith would never waver. You'll never be shaken. And so as we go through it, let me just kind of give you our response that God desires of all of us when we suffer. And we'll wrap it up on this. Number one, do not resent authority figures. Do not resent authority figures. That begins with God, the ultimate authority of our lives. If he says, Chuck, that's wrong, 
I cannot resent that and rebel against it because I can't change it. If God says it, I believe it. That's just the way it is. If the Word of God says it's wrong, it's wrong. Whether I ever understand the reasons or not, that's not for me to decide. And the same goes true as we're, as we're rearing our children. We say, that's wrong. And they don't understand it. And they can't comprehend it. Well, that's not their business or, or maybe even uh, their job to try to understand it. They're to be obedient. As long as what we tell them doesn't violate the word of God. And so what he's saying is, hey, you know what? Don't resent authority. Don't resent the authority of God in your life. And don't resent the authority of man in your life. All authority has been established by God. And that's what he said. He goes, man, you know what? It was good to know you didn't resent our authority in us telling you what was going to happen, that you still welcome us, that you still love us, that you still respect us for what we told you. Don't isolate yourself from Christian friends. One of the saddest things in the world to do is when we're suffering to close ourselves off from others who God wants to put in our life to encourage us and to strengthen us in the time of our suffering. Now, there's ways to do it, and I know some of us would even make someone suffering worse if you showed up to try to encourage them. But there are right ways and wrong ways to do it. But the bottom line is don't shut out people from your life. Find somebody. Find a Jonathan, as David did. And you can say, man, I'm struggling in my business. Man, I'm struggling in my marriage. I'm struggling with one of my kids. I'm struggling with my finances. Man, I am suffering in these areas, and none of it's because of what I've done, or even if it is because of what I've done, I need to confess it and make it right before God, and I need your help, man. I need to talk to you. I need, to, I need somebody in the foxhole with me. Don't shut yourself off from others. It's one of the most effective and powerful blessings that God has given us, and that is a friend. As iron sharpens iron, so one brother sharpens another. Number three, don't, do not doubt spiritual truth, but stand firm. The Bible clearly teaches it is God's will for you and I to suffer for doing what's right. People aren't going to like you, and we're not going to win very many um, um, popularity contests. And the sad thing, the state of our nation right now, if we had people that would stand up and say, you know what, one of the things that I want to do in, in, if I'm elected is get back to Judeo-Christian principles in which this country was founded on. I want to implement the principles of God in this country again. I wonder if we could get anybody elected who would stand and do that. Isn't that a sad truth? But wouldn't it be wonderful if somebody stood up and said that? Where do you stand on abortion? It's wrong. Why is it wrong? Because the Word of God says it's wrong. That all life comes from God. And He created man in His image and likeness. Wouldn't it be wonderful to answer the issues that way? Oh, man. But, hey, you know what? We need to stand firm on spiritual truth. We're not in this for a popularity contest. Well, we only got to please one person, and that's God himself. We don't have to please our boss. We don't have to please our coworkers. We don't have to please our family. We don't have to please our friends. We have to please our kids. We don't have to please one another. We just have one person that we have to deal with, and that's God himself. All I got to do is please him, and everything else falls into place. I may never win any contest. But I don't care. Number four, don't forget that suffering is essential and it's not unfair. I have so many people who just, oh, it's, it's just not fair. Why has this happened to him? Man, he served the Lord in the church and he did this and he did that and it's just not fair. Hey, whatever God determines is fair, it's fair. 
And instead of making them feel like, gee, isn't that too bad? You know, think about what that's telling somebody. Gee, you know, it's just not fair you're going through that. They already think it's not fair they're going through it. And you tell them it's not fair they're going through it, then they even feel more sorry for themselves. I need somebody to tell me how unfair it is when I'm going through tough times. I need somebody to tell me that God is faithful. I need somebody to tell me that, I, that they're there to encourage me, that they want to be, you know, a help of some sort. I don't need to tell me that things are tough. I know that. Tell me God loves me. Tell me you love me. Be there for me. That's what I need. Suffering's essential. It's not unfair. It teaches me the ways of God teaches me that he loves me, that he's in my life, that he's part of my life, that he strengthens me, that he's going to be there. Don't be surprised as soldiers, suffering hardship in battle is expected. It's not unusual. I want to close with this quote. Tertullian wrote this. It was in his Address to Martyrs. He said, No soldier comes to the war surrounded by luxuries, nor goes into action from a comfortable bedroom but from a makeshift and narrow tent where every kind of hardness and severity and unpleasantness is to be found. That's the battle that we're in. Isaac Watts, who wrote several hymns, wrote the lyrics to, uh, to a song. And I know I have it here somewhere, but I might not be able to find it. But, but I thought it was very appropriate as we put it all together. Don't you just hate that? I hate that. I can't find it. It was really neat, too. And I know you really would have liked it. Ah, here it is. Let's close on this. He wrote this. He said, Am I a soldier of the cross, a follower of the Lamb? Must I be carried to the skies on flowery beds of ease while others fought to win the prize and sailed through bloody seas? Boy, isn't that just an indictment of our culture? Somehow or another, we believe that while the Christian faith is littered and strewn about with bodies of those who love the Lord, who suffered and were persecuted and shed their blood for the cause of Christ, that somehow or another, we've been led to believe that it's God's will for us in this country and in this culture never to suffer for the cause of Christ. What an insult it is to our brothers and sisters who have paid the ultimate price with their life to believe that somehow or another we're not called to do the same thing. Stand firm when you suffer for doing what's right. If you suffer for doing what's wrong, stop it. Confess it. Repent turn from it. Because if you don't, you're going to keep on suffering. And how stupid can you be to want to keep on doing that? Let's pray. Father, thanks for your word, just for uh, the just for how relative it is, for how practical it is, and for how true it is. God, help us to see whether the suffering that we are enduring is self-inflicted. If it's a result of rebellion and disobedience, may we just uh, admit it before you. You tell us if we confess our sins, that you're faithful and just to forgive us from all of it and cleanse us from unrighteousness. 
that you're a God of second chances, that today isn't too late to say, God, forgive me for what I'm doing. I need to stop it today. You tell us it is your will, your determined will, that we believe on Christ. God, I just pray if there are those who have never done that, that they would come to a point where they, they ask Jesus Christ to come into their life. The Bible tells us that sin is a, a chain that binds us up, but that Jesus can free us from it. God, so many of us continue to just revert back to old habits. We continue to do the wrong thing. We continue to suffer the consequences, and we continue to want to stop. And you tell us that we can't until we come to know Jesus. And that when we do, he gives us the power to stop. You tell us that there's no temptation that overtakes us, but that is common to all of us. And you are faithful. And that you don't allow us to be tempted beyond that which we're able, but with that temptation, you always offer a way of escape. That you're always stronger than the temptation. That you give us strength that we don't need to continue in that lifestyle. If we suffer for those reasons, we are without excuse. It's our own fault. God, may we become people who suffer for being obedient, for doing what's right, for taking a stand, for standing firm when we suffer, realizing that you have called us to suffer for the cause of Christ. Help us to understand that there's nothing that happens in our life that isn't under your control, that even when we're victims of so-called sinful world, we're victims of crime or we're victims of an accident or we've got illness in our life, that you are in control. And as you said with the blind man, the reason that he was born blind is so that the things of God may be shown through him. God, help us to understand when we suffer, it's the greatest time of the world for us to share your love with others who don't know you. That it's when we suffer and when we're down that people want to know what gives us strength to be able to endure it and to handle it. Wonderful, what a wonderful time and opportunity to tell others about your love that's found in Jesus Christ. We're persecuted, but we're not abandoned. We're perplexed, but we're not in despair because we know that you are God. And we just praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Next week, what I thought we'd do is we'd take a look at how to stand firm. How do you know if that suffering is really God's will? And not necessarily just that, but how do you know how to stand firm on the will of God? I have met some people that just scare me when they tell me some of the stories that they do about how they determine what God wants them to do in their life. And uh, we're going to talk about that next week. So we'll see you then.